Sonic Talk. Hello, welcome to a Sonic Talk special. Uh, as you may have seen, uh, you may indeed have been watching our Sonic Talk episode 400, which came out yesterday. Uh, today we're doing a little live special because obviously we've just had Music Mets here, which is one of the two largest trade shows for the music industry, music instrument industry in the world ever. And uh, we're back with... Uh, as of NAM, what we did is we, we asked uh, Richard Beach, our guitars editor, and also Ed Butterworth, our modular guy, and social content editor, who are just here to come along and comment on the whole uh, procedure. And they're both in a white background, so I've been doing this, I've been making them kind of morph into one another, which is really <laughs> weird when you do it fast. I, I'm sorry, I can't stop myself. It's just so fascinating. Anyway, Ed, I'll st- I promise I won't press the button. Ed, um, of course came out to Mesa. This is your third Mesa, right? So that's actually, you're, you're yeah, a veteran, third, mate. Third Mesa, yeah. And so how yeah. was it for you? I mean, obviously, it was there was a lot of modular, and you kind of covered a lot of it, very heroically, I might add, um, because it's a difficult, um, difficult environment to work in, right? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was good. It was, there was a lot of buzz around the whole kind of that Schneider's area. So that was really nice to see. It was nice as well, because uh, every other Mesa that I've done, I've been filming guitars. So this was nice to kind of get into the parts of the show that I'm actually interested in. Yes, right. that was very diplomat- diplomatically said there, Ed, actually. Uh, um, and of course, <laughs> I mean... from the pentatonics. Th- th- that's right. We had a lot of that. Um, and uh, I'm going to hold Richard Beach, who is our guitar editor personally responsible for the eight hours a day we had noodling through our open window in our in our uh, a little little office in the inner bowels of the Mesa building Richard Beach of course um, you've seen him on many reviews and what have you he's also uh, sporting a very nice white background I, I'm picturing in you some kind of like penthouse apartment somewhere high above the city of London tell tell me it's so oh, oh. Uh, no, I just I just left uh, t- floor twenty two of one Canada Square to come and do this in my uh, relatively small apartment on the first floor in London. So, well, sadly, it's a, it's, a, it's appreciated. Um, no so, of course, and Richard, um, you've not done a mess for a little while. I think the did you do the first one we did maybe three or four years ago or something like that? I my last one was two thousand and eleven. Right. So, yeah, four years ago. Um, I mean, I guess you're probably best placed because that's a lot. That's quite a long uh, period of absence. Did yeah. you what did you notice that was different? You know, just sort of coming in apart from uh, your own weariness and cynicism that tends to tends to happen to us journalists over the years. <laughs> so probably the biggest things were that um, for a start from a guitarist's perspective, the guitar showing was pretty miserable well, there was one room and there were very few manufacturers there um, and not very many new products and also I thought the show just seemed a lot smaller and a lot less busy and had a lot less buzz about it which um, is a great way to start a podcast <laughs> about the show um, but yeah but having yeah. said that having said that uh, as we know Fender didn't show up um, which is kind of a big deal for, for the music for the organisers but in terms of what it means for us I mean I went to the guitar hall and it seemed noisy and vibrant I mean obviously they had a public day on Friday which means that you kind of up the ante a little bit but uh, but yes it, it felt like a sort of there was a little bit of a plateau in the guitar side yeah I must say I was just itching by Friday to just join Ed and go around the modular booth because uh, it just seemed way more exciting. But um, yeah, I d- there were some cool things, but there also there was just. Uh, I remember the last time I came, and it might have just been because I was 
a bit newer to the industry then and maybe a little bit more excited and probably a little bit more nervous but everything just seems um, a bit bigger and more exciting and there seemed to be kind of more stuff I remember Seymour Duncan came along and unveiled a limited edition guitar that they were only making 35 of and this year Seymour Duncan weren't even there so I think you know that kind of says a lot about what's happened in the past few years That's... Do you think that do you think that is kind of a um, reflection on the guitar industry at the moment anyway, in terms of it there not being that much going on there in terms of innovation? Yeah, yeah, it could be. I mean, one thing that was, um, one thing that was noted is that uh, I, <laughs> it was sort of like a running joke uh, between um, obviously you, Ed, and Nick, and a few of the rest of us, even Rob, who's a, a, a red-blooded guitarist, um, that... That basically the people that were noodling through pentatonic scales and just kind of you know blasting out blues music were kind of probably the people responsible for nobody really caring about guitar that much at the moment and, and a lack of young people picking up the instrument because it is getting less popular as an instrument and you know the fact that there are fewer manufacturers displaying at the European the biggest show in Europe for guitars um, is is probably um, a symptom of that. Yeah, it's interesting. Mentioned on the show yesterday that uh, you know I felt that uh, demonstrators as a whole, there's the, I guess it goes in cycles because I mean literally I mean we started the whole amp thing what five or six years ago and you know guitars were really happening and that's why we did it because there was so much more and, and analog was slightly more plateaued then but now it's sort of flipped over and I mean it's just it's it's driven very much. Um, I was talking to Andy Mac, not our Andy Mac, but Andy Mac from Akai, and it seems to be very, it's driven very much from what's going on in in popular music and at the moment it seems very uh, based around um, electronic and dance music. Well, well, that's always been there but it seems to be a greater uh, percentage of what we're seeing in a sort of pop sense, and that tends to drive it too. Yeah, yeah. I guess um, I guess in terms of, like, it's, uh, it's easier to make electronic music than it is to buy a guitar and get in a band nowadays. That's true. It's a kind of quite a solitary uh, uh, process, I suppose, whereas if you've got to get a band yeah. and a rehearsal room and somewhere to play and a drummer, which is obviously hard to find in many ways as well, that does tend to make a difference. And these kind of social conditions are really uh, 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 exacerbating that, I suppose. And in terms of the guitar side, I think also, and also the keyboard side, there is this level, there's this strata of people who are demonstrating, not everybody, um, who are, not, again, I don't think it's them. It's just the fact that they've been in the job for a while and the musical topography has changed a bit and perhaps what they're playing is slightly less desirable to listen to. I mean, we certainly found that a little bit. So there needs to shake up there as well, perhaps, to kind of re-energise. Re I don't think it's like really any um, sort of great secret that most most guitar music and most things that people play on guitars have been done millions of times before, and like you know, running up and down pentatonic scales over a blues backing track, and you know, playing kind of open chords as rock music. Like it's just not it's not very interesting, and it's not inventive. And you know, I love guitar, and I love making music with guitar, but I hate all of that stuff, and that's what guitar is associated with. It's associated with people who literally can't get past the 1970s, and, and that's a shame because they are the, the same people who are kind of making it a little bit uncool and stopping creative people from wanting to pick up a guitar and play one on stage because actually it is just a little bit cooler to, to buy a, a synth, which is quite often cheaper than buying a whole rig of guitar stuff um, and make some music yeah. or just buy, buy Ableton and program some drums and do, you know, 
use VSTs. Yeah, that's yeah. very true. I, I think um, also with especially pedal demo, demos, I don't really understand why a lot of them, they could be a lot more extreme in terms of like showing you all the different uh, aspects of the pedal and what it can do in terms of its own, of the pedal sound rather than, yeah. so I've got this, um, I don't know, reverb, whatever, and I'm going to play some chords through it that sound nice in that. Do you see what I mean? I kind of, yeah. I'd rather have that aspect of here's the extremes of the pedal. You can make it feedback like this and do that. I think that would be a, a, a better way than demonstrating it with uh, a country guitar solo with a <laughs> slapback delay. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, exactly. um, still, one of my <laughs> one of my favourite demos of all time at a trade show was the one that... Um, the guy from Catalan Bread, uh, Howard, gave us of the um, the Catalan Bread Antikthon pedal, which is a crazy fuzz pedal. And he, he basically just showed us every, pretty much everything you can do with it. And um, I was sold on that. And I think we had a similar demo this year from a guy from Hughes and Kettner who was showing off a really cool amp. And that's just kind of what you want. You want somebody to show you what the gear can do, not what they can do badly. That's true. Uh, actually, let's have a little bit of the Hughes and Ketch now because that's uh, I, I can I can by the magic. You might be familiar with this. Uh, this is a message from our sponsor. <laughs> I think that uh, that was very well. Uh, let's see if we can find that. I, I don't remember the name of the guy because I didn't film this, but this this amp is pretty remarkable. Let's get it on a bit, because this, this amp was ridiculous, wasn't it? Actually, there's a bit of rock and roll with slapback echo. That's not really fair <laughs> on the guy, because he did play some really... Iced. That's a half an hour long demo, so I'm just picking from it. But tell us a bit about that amp, because when you came back after seeing it, you both you and Rob were going, my God, that's insane. What was it? It's like 11 channels or something. Yeah, no, well, so it's, um, it's, it's actually really, really great. Even I think even the sort of more tech-orientated um, people would be interested in it because it's uh, six channels, so six-channel amplifier, which by itself is pretty crazy. I use a single-channel amp, and there are three sets of uh, power tubes, so three pairs of power tubes, all of which can be independently switched on or off. So it means you can basically have up to 42 combinations of various channels and uh, power tube um, sort of configurations. So, you, you know, you could use channel 5 with a set of um, like EL84s and then you can switch over to 6L6s or something like that. Is it the triamp? Um, or is it... That would be, wouldn't yeah, you? it's called the triamp. So um, it just means that the, the combination of... Uh, basically, if you buy this amp then that's pretty much all you ever need because it does everything that almost every other amp does, but just in one amplifier. Um, and it sounds awesome. Like, every channel on that amp sounds amazing. And um, it's probably worth the money if you've got, like, two and a half grand to spend. Or and expect, I mean, I guess the thing is with those is, I mean, obviously they're large. They're, they're designed for kind yeah. of professional guitarists. And, uh, I mean, they look nice. I mean, that looks a bit like the kind of uh, Manhattan skyline right there, just kind of fit with the plex. Yeah, but, it's, it's I mean, great. 
What it's are cheaper than buying forty-two amplifiers anyway? Uh, yeah, I'm sure it is. What? But what's what are Hughes and Kettner generally known for? Are they known for more metal, or are they known just quality kind of valve tones? Yeah, they I mean, their history wasn't in in metal, sort of in rock. But um, yeah, they've become well known for metal because they do that well. But then also, like I've got a H and K Rotosphere pedal, which is a sort of Leslie speaker emulation with a twelve AX seven tube in it. So they, you know, they're just like really high end. Um, ampli- amplifier manufacturers um, who do cool stuff. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's interesting. Think- Sorry, yeah, yeah, carry on. Uh, do you think it's a contender against the um, what's it called? The modeling amp. The Kemper. The, uh, oh, the Kemper. Kemper yeah. yeah, I suppose it's like the Kemper for a valve head, really. Yeah, it's um, like a. I'm pretty sure using Kettner's a German company, so it's you know both both a German take on amplification, which. Uh, in in you know like in the guitar world, Germans aren't really you know well known for, you know historic rock and roll tone, but. Like Jesus, the Kemper's amazing. It's an amazing piece of engineering, and you know that Hughes and Kettner amplifiers. You know, just great kind of old school, um, you know, tube amp, but with a modern player in mind. And um, and yeah, it's it's cool. You know, like the, the Germans brought their A game um, this year. Oh, interesting. I uh, just want to say uh, Discord. Oh, I believe Discord is uh, discord.com. If you ever be there, he's a great guy for uh, reviewing iOS stuff. No, nice to see you here, mate. Uh, wants to keep pestering Electron to, reach, uh, to release Overbridge. We did actually post an Overbridge video. I think I, I don't know if I posted a short one up to Facebook yet, but there may be one going up tomorrow. Um, that is really interesting technology. But uh, just coming back to the kind of synth side of things... It's funny, there's, there's never really been much love given to amplification for synthesizers or keyboards or any of that sort of thing. I, n- I don't remember seeing anything much in that area. It's, it's sort of an area that seems... Is it just because most people just stick it through a mixer and whack some headphones on? I guess so, yeah. I've never even considered buying an amplifier for my, uh, for my synthesizer. I've just got a set of monitors and it, you know... I just put it in a mixer and then, or into the computer, and then monitor it out of my monitors. I guess they did. Uh, there are a few kind of keyboard wedge combo type things that you. I, I think I was thinking something like the sort of THR for synthesizers. That would be the Yamaha THR for synths. There's, there's, you can have that for note for for free Yamaha. That'd be pretty cool. Something along those lines with a bit of DSP in it and a bit of sort of fancy stuff. Yeah, yeah, something like that might be. I mean, I, I guess it's how. Because the reason a guitarist has an amp is because they play in a band with a drummer, essentially, really, isn't it? Well, and you can't hear your guitar unless you plug it into something, I suppose. Yeah. So, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I would, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't really know how to answer. All right, well, there you go. Um, so... Uh, in terms of stuff that I mean, because you you uh, so Richard had a couple of uh, couple of goes. Of this what about for you in terms of uh, what's been going on? I mean, because you saw pretty much everything. I mean, obviously I did the Ira stuff. That was the big news of the show, and it's exciting and all those things. And the guy from Maleco is just really you know that whole world is getting an extra injection. But I mean, behind the scenes, as we when we spoke to Josh from Maleco, he said, "Well, I've actually got another load of modules I released here as well. Nobody wants to know about those because this has sort of blotted it all out. But you're the best place to see the other things." that were going on what were the what were the highlights for you in that sense uh i mean it's got to be the bastel instruments guys that was uh that just kind of blew my mind i kind of went into it thinking oh you know a a new young company 
they've got a and I mean a lot like a mass a mass of modules being released it's kind of difficult I don't even know half of there's still things there that they released that I'm just like I'm looking at yeah. Bastille desk Bastille Trump which sounds interesting yeah. Bastille sensors um any of those partic- the sensors was really interesting um oh that's right it's all the kind of stuff that interface with um with like servo electronics and, and servo motors that's yeah. right yeah that was really interesting and the way that they set up their booth and what was cool as well is that they were kind of separate they were next to the uh, or near the schneider stuff but it was cool that they were kind of you know a young company out there on their own like doing their own thing kind of like they had their own booth and they had it was really just every time i went to that booth that there was so many people crowding around it just because it was so creative and they got nice great, to see someone doing something. Got a lot of wood in their um, presentation. Yeah, if that doesn't really, sound really, too suggestive. <laughs> really beautiful uh, modules as well. Yeah, they look really interesting. It'd be great to get some of those and, in for review. Yeah, the uh, I think what because a lot of the stuff that I was seeing was kind of the well, I saw the sensors and stuff, and then uh, we listened to the filter that they've got. So they've got this like tiny little. So it's only six U, I think, which is which is small. Six U, six HP, six which HP. is small. Um, and a multi-mode filter with all these different switchable resonance settings, and it just completely blew my mind. It sounded so good, and I was just, and it had such a different range of sounds, so it could go from like really screaming, horrendously screaming, nasty stuff to like really creamy, nice filtering do you remember what that was called the uh the cinnamon okay i don't think we got that one i think i saw a youtube video of that it's, in, it's, it's got in lots that of... video that you were just showing oh okay i'll see if i can find but it I, I can't i think it was the first thing that we saw but yeah it's quite difficult with all their stuff to kind of differentiate between uh which one is which i guess yes because it all looks it's i but i think that was really that was good to see as well is that they have a very it has their modules have a very strong identity because you know they have their own yeah that's the one that's the filter oh let's see if i play that what happens let's just see if it'll make a noise oh it does look at that another character switch which i can also put both on It sounds a bit like a Steiner Parker, that, but that does. Yeah, it's really low. So, um... Do you have any idea of what the cost of their things are? Are they kind of putting them out at a decent price? Really? It's such, such a good price. I think the filter was €109 Euros, uh, without tax. Wow. Which is just like... For that amount of sound in that in that small HP... That's quite For me, that was just like... That was really impressive. Okay, well, um, we'll come back to you again. But uh, so, Rich, in terms of you know, obviously we saw the Hughes and Kettner. That is a monster thing. Was there anything kind of more affordable and more sort of like, hey, that's neat that you saw that was? Uh, uh, bear in mind, I've got a big list of videos here, so you can talk it, and I'll see if I can find them while we're going on. So, if there's anything else that kind of springs out, <laughs> or is that it? Was that like the whole show right there in the Hughes and Kettner? Uh, no, <laughs> I mean there was other stuff. Um... 
something I was excited about, and I have been excited about for years, is the idea of modular pedal boards. And no one's managed to really do one yet that kind of works for me, or that I think no one's actually got one to the point of you know being able to actually sell it. I think they've been concept. Um, so yeah, going into the show and seeing Greenhouse Effects do a modular grab and go pedal board is pretty cool. So it's it's called the self titled. And uh, I think I will. Bro- let me grab this here. And what I will do is I'll just. Uh, I'm sure our sponsors won't mind too much if I if I fast forward. Um, I'm sure everybody's hugely familiar with the. Uh, oh, this is this is Rob as well. We have uh, five. Uh, we have uh, seven uh, new products this year. The first one is uh, the Sonic Op Fraser. Uh, Am I looking at the right pedal, thing here, Rich? Uh, controls our volume. Uh, oh, rates. Yeah, they're new pedals, I think. Okay, so is it this guy? Go- the end and see what happens. Is that the one there? The when he gets to the middle bit with those? Yeah. Okay, well, when he gets there, here we are. I know this is this is what people have been waiting to see. Yeah. Well, last year we've launched a self-titled uh, analog modular pedal, which is a pedal that you can replace the circuitry inside yourself and to change it. Uh, so last year we've had only four modules. This year we've added four new modules to. Uh, or the inventory, so we have eight modules to choose from. On top of that, um, I'm about to launch the self-titled Deluxe, which is a mini pedal board uh, uh, that is modular. So let me grab one. All right, okay. Is that you doing yes, the camera sorry. work there, Rich, by any chance? That's oh, that's cute. Inside. You unscrew the screws over here, pop up the lid, then you can choose um, each four modules that you like. And you can pull them out just as you would on the single units. Then neat. what you have so, um, yeah. is... There is there is actually a playing example somewhere on our website if anyone wants to hear it. But um, in terms of a short history of analog modular pedal boards, um, the company Devi Ever Effects tried, um, successfully built a prototype and got the schematic out there. But then I think the comp- I don't want to slander them because I'm it not didn't actually work sure. Out. It didn't quite work out, and people are getting their money back on the Kickstarter. There's another company called Snapdrive who are building a similar similar thing to what Greenhouse Effects have done, but with a bit more control over the circuitry. Um, what I like about Greenhouse Effects's um, uh, modular pedal board is that it's sort of like a grab and go pedal board. So. If you're like me and you've got a pedal board with like 15 pedals on it and you don't really need that for every show, it's just every pedal you have on one board. If I'm playing uh, a show that only requires like, you know, a distortion, a boost and maybe a delay and reverb or something, then I can just grab the board, grab those cartridges, put them in the board and then it's got like a whiteboard style surface on the top so I can rub out whatever's been on there before, label it with the new cartridges I've put in there and that's it. Like you know, I take that to the gig, and that's my pedal board. So, um, are they are they analog, or is it DSP based? No, no, it's it's all analog. Hmm. So it's cool, and I think there's there's there are a few other companies that tried, and obviously another thing that we saw that was kind of synth guitar crossover at Mesa was the uh, Pittsburgh modular Patchbox, which I was really excited about because it just it looked like pornography to me when I saw the photos. Um, load of patch cables sticking out of a, a patch a patch box with some modules in it, and um, I can't wait to sort of get my hands on one and and see what I can do with it with a guitar. Um, but I think 
when we actually got to the show, Richard um, from Pittsburgh, you know, he didn't he didn't bring a guitar with him, and I think he'd had a sort of limited time with the unit and with the guitar. So I think when we got to the show, we we basically borrowed a guitar from Moog um, in order to be able to get guitar through the patch box on video and I think he was a bit surprised at like how much attention it had got online and how excited people were about it so it's probably not the best demonstration of the um, the patch box's capabilities but I think it's something quite exciting for guitarists and um, you know people who have modules who um, you know interested in the synths but also maybe have a guitar lying around yeah, I would I would say so. I mean that that's that's definitely something that came across. I mean it, it's an interesting form factor, I must say. I mean it, this kind of arch of uh, of white cables, it would uh, you- maybe that's just to protect your uh, to protect your modules. Yes, they form like a protective weave. Yeah, like- yeah. <laughs> you know, if I saw guitarists moaning about the patch cables, it's like just grow up and and like. What what do you, you want? Just, I mean, if it's if it's that much an issue, you could mount the modules up the other way. Yeah, uh, or you know, if there's that much of an issue, just just pipe down and don't buy it. Like, just shut up. Don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, just uh, somebody shouting in the chat room. Hey guys, the Boss Slicer SL20 is my all-time favourite. It's MIDI sync capability, mind-blowing in my opinion. I don't know that. Does anyone aware of the, aware of the SL20? I'm sorry. Yeah, I've- well, I've I've played with one like once one of the boss slices and it does pretty cool things to um you can just play a chord and it'll make you sound like God. Really, that's pretty yeah. impressive. That sounds good. <laughs> that that's the sort of thing they should probably put in their put in their marketing literature. Yeah. Uh, what does it look I think, like? Um, I think going back to the whole like, the modular guitar pedal thing, there was uh, Dreadbox. They had like a whole range of uh, CVable. Um, of uh, CVable pedals, which looked quite interesting. Ah, I think uh, we, I think we might have a video there. Shall we just drop that in and see yeah. what uh, see what, what what happens? Right, let's see. He didn't have a guitar to go through it, but <laughs> I think. Okay, there we go. The developer of Dreadbox products, and uh, I would like to. Did we have any? Ah, oh, there we go. This is a 12 dB filter. I can't see. Ah, that's because I haven't switched it on. There we go. Sorry about that. So this is the, this is the uh, Erebus synthesizer, which actually sounded really nice. If you skip along, there's, he'll sh- he shows the um, the uh, these little pedals that are next to it. Ah, these got Epsilon. Uh, yeah. Distortion at the same time. Sounds like a sort of distortion slash filter by the sound or ring model. Yeah, so he had like a few different ones which were, and then they've just got like 3.5 mil jack points on the Here top. we have a CV control. We have oh, talked about this before. Oh, the lambda. Switch between poles. Yeah, exactly. That's you why I have That lambda is actually an old so core polysynth. Drive the filter very, very hard. Interesting. They, uh, so they're basically with an LFO. Tough too. Sorry, I'll stop that. Go on. Go on then. So they're basically doing what we kind of we talked about, didn't we? We talked about we we, we kind of uh, we were we were thinking, there was that one. We pedal wanted pe- pedals in Europe in Europe. For, it's interesting, isn't it? They're very. They're, it's actually quite similar in many ways to what Coma are doing, which is that sort of yeah. Uh, 
desktop Eurorack format, which will then interface. So you, I guess you would have your modular here and your, your desktop type pedals there and then patch yeah. between them in that way. And, and I know Moog do a similar, similar sort of thing, don't they? I mean, the, not the, uh, do the Mini Fogas, you saw the Mini Fogas, didn't you, Rich? Did they, yep. did they, uh, or should I say Mini Fogas? Uh, I'm not sure whether I should say that or not, but uh, more on that later, perhaps. Do they, yeah. did they have CV input or were they purely guitar stuff? Uh, they had expression in which would work with uh, 0-5 volts. Right. Yeah, that's what he said. Uh, okay, so not quite the same as the Mogafogas, which were more CV control and you could use a particular yeah. thing. But, uh, yeah. Dreadbox also had the uh, the best swag that I got, all, all Music Messer. Oh, sweet. Is that a little which synth? Is, yeah, so it's like a little oscillator and an lfo i just need to get a nine volt battery attach it to here and then uh some jack points on here and we're good to go there seems to be quite a lot of that going on those um those kind of synths on a pcb i know mute did one as well didn't they quite recently which is a bit bigger and and, and has got this kind of really weird like set of dip switches that you just or no they're an array where you just put those little pin across them and yeah god knows what happens it's kind of a bit of a mess but it's kind of a noise synth quite good fun but speaking of yeah i just thought as a as a kind of as a marketing tool to give that out to people is just i think that's really good that is excuse me very neat idea um any good swag that you saw rich i didn't remember i didn't i don't recall a single t-shirt or anything i did you manage to pull anything off or were they all just kind of you know glumly the problem is, on the guitar side, if you ask for a t-shirt, you look like one of those 14-year-old kids who goes around trying to get signed at the at Mesa, you know, handing their CDs out and stuff, which is fine, if you because I used to be one of those 14-year-old kids. Um, but at my age, I feel like it's not very becoming uh, to... You, you know, asked me to get you some synth t-shirts. Yeah, synth t-shirts. That's different, because <laughs> synth t-shirts are cool. But... I, do I'm I actually wearing one of my jam swag do I, today. Do I want a bright orange T-shirt that has orange written on it? I I don't really do I. So yeah, perhaps not. Well, um, okay, fair enough. Um, let me see what else have we got then. Um, so in terms of, uh, um, I mean, we've ascertained that you know we need we need a kind of new. A uh, new dimension of demonstration, perhaps that might help in terms of breaking the breaking the kind of mold of the blues noodling and the super shredding. I mean, there are still some really good demonstrators, and they really do stick out when you kind of see when you go, "Oh man, that was that was awesome." The guy, I, I'm afraid I don't know the Hughes and Kettner guy. Did you see anybody else that really kind of made you think, "Oh, that's a sweet tone"? I was going to ask Rich there, but he's uh, he's just basically dropped I'm off the plaque. In audio, I can hear you. Let me call back in. Uh, okay. I think what. Yeah. Um, what I noticed was because I, I I did um I had been shooting the modular guys all uh all week and then uh, I went and did on the Friday I think I did a uh, slate the Raven thing the big touchscreen thing and just the the uh, slick the presentation was just I think the guy what was it uh, Matt something. Yes, I, I saw the comments. It was very slick, wasn't it? And that almost seemed to be a crime, which is really bizarre. You yeah, know, it's not... that was really weird because if, cause if, you know, if, you're, if you're a modular guy who doesn't have very good English and you spend all your time in a workshop making modules, to then have to come in to a trade show and talk about this thing and be excited and be a salesperson, because you don't, you, don't, you don't have that kind of ability, 
Whereas this guy from Slate, he just like, you know, I didn't even, I didn't have to do anything. I just turned up and he was just like, there was no struggle at all. It was just like, yeah, I'm going to show you this, bang. And he was just like away and doing his thing. And it was, it was, it was quite fun. I was smiling the whole time I was watching it because it's just, this is so entertaining. <laughs> Someone who knows, who knows exactly what they're going to do next. It was all rehearsed, which I, yeah. It has its, its plus and minus chapter. points, I suppose. Um, yeah. Rich, you were just about to come in there before you went, and I've, I've seamlessly brought you back to life. <laughs> Although, I uh, so what, audio was I, what was I going to say, though? Remind me. Yeah, that's the problem. Um, I think you, we were talking about um, any demo demo people that sort of stood out and kind of made it sort of really you may think, okay. ooh. Uh, no. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, as always, uh, Tor from TC Electronic. Oh, yes. Please. Uh, I mean, I'm slightly biased because I have a huge man crush on him. But um, yeah, he was he was cool. And also, when you when it was just really weird when you're interviewing him, he does not stop staring at your eyes for the whole time. So he's got these like you know these Danish uh, like Viking like blue eyes, and he just won't stop staring at you the entire time that you're interviewing him. So like I was having to like look down at the floor like bashfully, and it was just embarrassing. Really, it is. I can see there's 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 a definite connection there. And these are the new uh, this is Ditto Stereo. Um... Ditto Stereo, which is awesome, and I can talk about it after tours done some playing or something. Let's see, let's see if we got any playing going on here. I'm not sure. I can stop it because it really wasn't all that good, but you get the idea anyway. Ah. This is actually we start, I find <laughs> even by his own high standards, he was. Let me see. Perhaps a bit too close for lunch, close to lunch, but yeah, even his guitar looks cool and his tattoo. Yeah, yeah he, um, I, I remember, I actually remember that playing being quite good to be fair but um he outbearded yeah, you as well Rich. yeah he's been totally yeah, outbearded yeah he did out but i shaved my beard before Messer. um yeah he's so uh the the ditto stereo i think tc electronic are a really great example of a company who actually listen to what people want and there's a real lack of that i think um especially in the guitar industry at the moment and they, the first thing they came out with was the, the Ditto Looper, a really basic looper pedal, pretty much for home practice, which went down really well. And people said they wanted a more complicated one, so they did the Ditto Times 2, which had a lot more functionality and was a bit more like the, the boss looper pedals. And then they listened to their fans even more, and they did this, the, the Ditto Stereo. And there are some really cool functions on here, and my favorite one is the fact that you can now export your, uh, you can export your loops as a WAV file um, and you can import backing tracks as well and what they've done is got people like Paul Gilbert who's a great guitarist to uh, like do rhythm tracks for them which you can beam into your pedal um, so you can have like Paul Gilbert as your backing guitarist and, and stuff which would make me feel ashamed of my own playing but um, you know that that was good, and there, you know there are various other bits of functionality that just show why TC Electronic are really on top of their game at the moment. And um, you know, I, do, I don't know how much they sell in comparison to other companies. I don't have that sort of information. But if you just go on Facebook and look at the sort of usual suspect pedal companies, TC Electronic have like two hundred thousand followers, where whereas you know some of the other big companies are down at like ten thousand, twenty thousand. They're all 000. just tour fans. 
It might be that, yeah. But no, they're they're just really cool. Like you know, they're they're a very transparent company, and yeah. they they've got good forums on their on their website where you can actually get involved and have a say in in how the product is going to go. And there's so many huge companies that you know, not naming any names, just don't do that and almost have a sort of disregard for the people that are actually going to be giving them money, um, which is a really weird way to run a business, in my opinion. Yeah, well, that I think that's the thing, isn't it? In this sort of new age of social media and online kind of consultation, it makes kind of sense. It's funny, isn't it? Because there was this whole sort of bump of online collaborative design. Remember, because Chappers, uh, Rob Chapman was very involved in that kind of stuff with helping people to kind of voice what they would like to see in a yeah. guitar and actually getting things made you know and that's that 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 sort of all went away again maybe as an experiment it was too hard to manage designed by a committee is always difficult right well i thought it's interesting you say that because rob chapman literally has just updated his facebook page saying that the design for his new pedal is complete and it was exactly what his fans asked for it was collaborative design but the price point is too expensive so that's an example of collaborative design gone slightly wrong so he's asked people what they would um, get rid of in terms of expensive components. So, you know, can they get rid of the fancy um, kind of high-grade knobs and just get some plastic ones or whatever? Ah, you know, okay, it's, yeah. it's interesting. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's still doing it, and it'll be interesting to see what those pedals are like. But, um, yeah, I don't, know. I don't know much about them. I imagine probably some distortion pedals that sound like distortion. Yeah, that might be a, a good idea. I know, Ed, is there any, any other sort of highlights for you in the show? Because uh, um, I'm just curious to, to know whether there's, whether there's anything perhaps we missed that went a bit under the radar. Um, uh, the Make Noise Telharmonic just, I mean, we saw that at NAMM, um, but he's done some updates to it. And to me, that was really, that's a really exciting module. Uh, all of kind of the make noise stuff, and I've got my first my first uh, make noise module now. So um, yeah, I think I'm kind of sold on that one. I'm just looking. Uh, for, I, I can't find the file for that. That's one that maybe didn't make it through. That's annoying, unless it's called something else. But uh, but yes, because uh, I, I, we um, we had Mark Doty on sorry. our show yesterday, and he said that uh, he was uh, really impressed with that as well. So I must must check that out. Yeah, it kind of just. It just seems like a really nice thing to have there in your rack as like as a sound source that could do a lot more than just be a sound source. Um, the other one that was fun, which isn't a new uh, module, which is the uh, Sound Machines Brain to Face. Ah, which is yes. Like a, so they a module that outputs CV based on your brainwaves. So you have a little headset, put that on. And then you get outputted CV depending on on these different uh, outputs. So you have outputs for um, like concentration and stuff. So if you're wow. concentrating, if you're concentrating to read on a, like so, so you start reading something, the concentration that it takes to read that will make the pitch the CV go up. And then there's another one for like facial movement. So in the video, he's uh, he's talking about it, and then. And then he starts like moving his face, <laughs> and 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 he's got it just controlling something in in the module. And I just thought that was it was so immediate. The... Did it sound musical though? Well, that's no, like, that's but... down that's down to the patch, isn't it? I suppose and how yeah. you interpret it. But uh, but yes, that's a very good but question was, to ask uh, though. I, I think what was interesting was he was saying that he gets a lot of people buying it for um, kind of arty dance things and stuff like that so they'll wear the headpiece and then control 
X, Y, Z with it. Um, but another one that he said was really interesting, he knows uh, he's got a mix engineer or a, an engineer in a studio who will automate parameters via his brainwaves when he's listening back to his tracks. So listen back to his tracks, have those CVs going to something whatever, and then that will modulate during his, like... His listening process. Yeah. Hmm. I thought that was interesting. That is that does sound kind of like that. I mean, all of this whole world. I mean, the, the, you know, the the notion of uh, CV. I mean, I guess it's in the same way that we saw a massive upsurge of things to MIDI and MIDI to things. You know, it's, it's the same way with CV as well. And those are the sort of. I mean, that one thing that is is worth mentioning. And I know I think this got a pretty bad rep. Perhaps perhaps again down to the demo was the Boss SY three hundred. No, Gaz mentioned it and was was really impressed with the technology. I mean, the whole fact that they can actually polyphonically detect pitch over just the jack wire. There's no extra stuff there i mean and and i think perhaps the demo that uh, we got didn't do it justice because we heard it playing polyphonically and it was noted and i think maybe you know it just didn't come across as that much of a feature of that main demo but that was quite uh, that was alex hutchins wasn't it who was sort of playing who's not really a synthesist yeah. which is perhaps 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 wasn't so uh, such a, 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 a what they should have put it in the hands of a synthesist perhaps to see what it could do yeah maybe yeah. i mean yeah look alex is a great guitarist like yeah really fantastic and, and very individual in terms of what he does. Um, but, yeah, he, I mean, he admits in the demo that he's not a gearhead, and, you know, that that's fine. And, but I, I actually think that they wouldn't get somebody like that to demo the product unless they were sort of aiming the product at people who aren't, um, who yeah. aren't synthesized. Like, I, I just don't know why. Like, even myself, like, I've got, like, a 200-quid analog synth and i'd much rather have like two of those than than buy a pedal that made my guitar sound like a synth because it's just a it's a totally different experience and i don't oh, it yeah just, it's not an analog does it, output, um, does it output midi then i that's a good question i'm not sure because if it outputs midi then that's quite interesting because then you can just midi it up to all your existing gear um but if you can only use the sounds that it has on board and from the video, to my ears, anyway, I was not uh, I was not particularly impressed with. I don't, maybe it was the playing, but the, I mean, the, of... the, yeah, the, the the sounds, the, the patches weren't great. And uh, I mean, well, actually, no, that's unfair. They they, I think they probably are. They they sound like things that have been created by guitarists. Who, you know, as what guitarists think synths sound like, but when. Um, you know, if, if I'd have been given that task a year ago before I'd really got interested in synths at all, I probably would have done the same thing. You know, whereas whereas now I would, if I was given that task, I would I would not create those particular sounds that are loaded in there. But obviously, you know, you can tweak stuff. Um, but even just kind of um, playing with the oscillators and stuff like that, and, and playing with the knobs on the actual pedal, it, it's just not that same. It's not the same thing, is it? No. It's not the same feeling as having a synth and having all that control there, and often not even having to hold down a note on the keyboard. You know, like playing guitar, you need two hands, and the most control you have on that pedal is the fact that you can plug two expression pedals into it. And even then, if you're standing up at a gig, like what are you, you going to seesaw up and down on? Yeah, on that's each pedal? what I don't. I don't understand who. who I don't for? really get who it's aimed at because yeah, same. I, it's, it seems. Quite a lot like um, somebody in Japan came up with the idea that they wanted to make a, a guitar synthesizer that could run on a jack rather than a hex pickup. And so they did it 
and um, you know it they, it costs because of the amount of time and research that went into it it costs 550 quid or whatever it is and and then you know people like me who might have been interested in it go well actually I can I can actually buy, buy a synth. synth for that I guess the thing is it's the sort of the, it's going to be somebody who can play really well wants to maybe take a, take their sound palette somewhere else and play those things maybe that's who it's for but yeah I suspect the reason it's so expensive is because the DSP required to do that kind of polyphonic tracking on a on an audio signal is fairly hefty so the the, yeah. the chip itself is probably the thing that's get, that's bumping the cost off and and also having a, a synth engine that does those things i mean i don't know whether it's a supernatural synth engine I, I didn't quite catch that but i wouldn't imagine they'd have they'd have created something completely separate just for that one thing so i don't know no and and you know the coolest thing i thought was the the sequencer and then if i compare the sound of the sequencer to just you know a sequencer on on any kind of relatively low budget synth, then um, then yeah, it didn't. I, I would much prefer to have something that wasn't a guitar being plugged into a you know a pedal which does some DSP that makes something sound like a sequencer when you can actually just have a sequencer. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Well, it feels like um, you know it's not. I mean, there is there there's there's stuff in there. I mean, we've just got to find it, and we have found some things. And I, I think you know, as as ever, if you want to check out all of our Sonic State uh, Music Messer, I think I created a Bitly URL, which is uh, Bitly slash Sonic Messer fifteen, and that'll take you there. Um, so do check that out. And um, so I want to say thank you very much, uh, everybody. Unless there's anything else uh, that you you feel you have to uh, get in before we go, um, I can do the wrap. Um, and people are talking about the. Uh pittsburgh game system ah right okay that was quite interesting um that was like a pittsburgh game it was basically basically like a little game that you can play on your modular so it has like a i think i think it was like 64 by 64 kind of uh or a 64 grid and you can uh and you basically play a little game and it and when you hit the, you have a little spaceship, you move the spaceship around and when you hit certain things, it outputs gates in um, so right. it's basically like an algorithmic um, gate sequencer I guess. Okay, that's sort of interesting, I must admit, that's, I, that's not probably not the, it's an interesting, but it's sort of like just because you can doesn't mean you should it's one of those sort of yeah, things maybe. But, but, but yeah, uh, interesting uh, and that's what it is. Did you get a price on that? Roughly what it was, what it was going to be out. At? Uh, I think it was two nine nine US. Oh right, okay. So it's not terribly expensive for that little bank of LEDs, but uh, maybe three, maybe um, three. In, yeah, I was just going to say. Actually, I don't know if it has. I don't think it has been mentioned. But patch blocks, I just really liked from from the point of view of somebody who can you know just likes to be able to mess around with you know. Yes, we did have something on there, but I'm just trying to find the video. I can't see that anywhere. And they sounded great as well. Like, yeah, they really sound cool. awesome, and they're really fun. They're actually quite musical, you know. Just just having two knobs that you like, you know, you have to use them to do something musical. Actually, forces you to to be pretty creative as well. Yeah. Um, which you wouldn't think would be the case. No, I suppose not. But uh, yes, I think there's going to be a lot more coming from them because um, they've got their sort of home programming environment and the way that that works. But anyway, I mean, it's great to have another uh, another couple of uh, perspectives on the whole show that wasn't purely focused because Roland really did sort of sweep in and just kind of steal the show just purely because of 
they are being associated with the energy of the Schneider's Boer uh, um, booth and also the fact that they've entered the Eurorack. But I mean, if you want to see more on that, we talk about it quite in quite great length at Sonic Talk 400, which is yesterday's episode. Which, incidentally, if you were to listen to all 400 episodes, I think I worked it out it'd be about 16 days straight with no sleep. So, if you're, <laughs> so I don't know. If anyone ever took that challenge, I'm not sure. You'd probably end up hating me and probably want to kill all the guests because you'd have just got uh, lost your mind it's not a good idea anyway but i want to say really i mean w- none of this would have really been possible without any of without all of our sponsors uh universal audio loop masters plug-in boutique cakewalk clavia boss uk tc electronic isotope ableton tipped up audio nectar tascam and audio technica as well in fact uh, there's our uh, our new audio recorders and our new wireless mics which uh did make quite a lot of difference, I think, and uh, I hope uh, hope we'll be able to use them um, effectively in time to come. But uh, I want to just say thank you very much. And also, I want to say thank you to Ed for coming along and doing such a great job. You could, if, you, if you were excited by all the analog modular stuff, you can thank Ed personally because he basically filmed pretty much all of it. And uh, you, you could, the sc- he's points, got the scars. There were, there were points where I thought, I really want to get out the hell out of. I don't want to listen to another module. I don't. I want to get. I want to. I want to hear some pentatonic scales. But <laughs> as soon as I got back to the uh, Ed, you seem the, to have scored in the chat room as well. Are you available? Says Sonic nine four one four. And yes, I'm female and straight. There you go. So uh, you know, obviously there should be not. a no. Oh, well, there you go. I, I could have told you that, but I just thought you know you should see that. <laughs> but thank you, Ed. And um, and uh, that was definitely you know. A, Obviously, without the team, it would have been impossible to cover quite so much stuff. So excellent work. And also for you, Rich, thank you. I know it was perhaps a bit harder excavating the facts and figures and the and interesting stuff out of the show, but uh, always good to have you along. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it's good to come along as well. And uh, I think, yeah, probably this time next year, I'll be following Ed around the, the modular pit. Um <laughs> Maybe, but I must say, like you know, guitar stuff at Nam was amazing. So I'm not too disappointed about guitar stuff at Messer not being great. Excellent. Well, um, and next year, of course, the music Messer will be changing up a little bit. They're shifting around the halls and stuff, so we're yet to see what that's going to mean. And they're going to let the public in the whole time, which would be quite interesting that's from a journalistic so point great. of view. Can't wait for that to happen. Yay. Yeah. Well, it's it's one of those things, isn't it? You sort of think half of it is like, well, that's great because then the people who are exhibiting will you know, get to see the most people, but from a covering it from a journalist point of view, it's a nightmare because surely they, surely they can do one day without the, uh, without the public in there, can't they? Yeah. I think you need a bit more than that, but yes, it would be, I hope so, but uh, it doesn't look Sorry, like this, this is probably really boring to everyone else, but I actually think they're making hall eight, a public hall, and you have to pay more money to be in there or something like that. I don't know how it works. I'm not sure. But... Yeah, I can't wait. Maybe that'll be what they'll do is well, they'll, they'll, everybody will have to have split booths because the, the move, if you walk from where we were to Hall 8, it's about half a mile. And that doesn't sound much, but if you're doing that all day, many times, you can imagine what that. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw the. Um, we did our live blogs and I posted uh, a shot of Rob's pedometer, which was on the first day where we didn't really do that much. And he walked seven miles. <laughs> so that was just in the show hall. So, yeah, it does kind of um, add up. Anyway, well, that's it for another show. Uh, thank you very much for watching the special. That was our messer kind of wrap up uh, with our editors, Ed and Rich. So uh, that's it for now. And we'll see you later. See you guys. See ya. Cheers.